what's up, everybody? I'm Chef Jordan Chaton, and you are now tuned in to Chefish. Today, we have my friend, a restaurateur, private chef, catering company, and event planning owner. You know what I'm saying? Chef Alim Wall is here for Chefish today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I was going to be here as soon as you called. I'm here. I got him in between a busy schedule. So actually today is like your off day, but even on your off days, I feel like you're always yeah, working doing anyway. something. But I appreciate the invite and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He's one of my good friends and we'll get into that later. But just to tell y'all a little bit about Chef Aleem, he is from Washington, D.C., born and raised. And he actually, in his younger years, went to a performing arts school. And naturally, you would think somebody's going for music or dancing. But his interest was culinary arts. So a seed was planted in his mom's kitchen. So as Chef Aline was growing, you know what I'm saying? He was in the streets a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Figuring himself out. And he actually started having kids at a really young age, right? And so being a father is a really big focus of his story. And unfortunately, his children's mother passed away and the kids were really young. So, you know, Chef Aline was cooking in and out back then, but wasn't really taking it serious because he felt like, It wasn't a serious career path, wasn't really lucrative. But when she passed away, it was like, now he's a single father. He got to get stuff figured out. He can't be out here running these streets. So he veered back in to cooking. And ultimately, he went down to Atlanta (laughs) and studied at Le Cordon Bleu in Tucker, Georgia. And he opened up a little to-go spot and started making a name for himself in Atlanta. And he forged a friendship with 2 Chains early on and 2 Chains' career, you know what I'm saying? Titty boy day. And ultimately, they forged a friendship and Chef Aline stepped more into the private chef industry and he's worked with 2 Chains, Rick Ross, Justin Bieber, you know what I'm saying? Just a little, just a little, you know, just a few of them, you know, but he's definitely worked for more. And now he owns Plated Lounge, in Atlanta, he has plated pleasure catering and events services. Wow. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Definitely did her homework. I you that. know, I don't take it. Hey, hey, hey it's hey. an honor to have anybody sitting on the couch with me. Anybody that sits on the couch with me is a I'm a fan of or a friend. So it's always genuine admiration. Yeah. You know, same here. everybody ain't gonna be here. Hey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> same here. Everybody ain't gonna be here. No, I'm just playing. But I'm serious. So. That's a little bit about your history. So welcome to Chefish. Thank you very much. And for my chefies out there wondering how does Chef Aleem and I know each other, Instagram. That feel Instagram. Right. So we had followed each other for years. Back when I was working with Floyd was when you had started. We yeah, started yeah, following yeah. each other. So it's been a really a long, long time. time. And by the time I moved to Atlanta, I've been here seven years now. We've it's been, been that long. Yes. Damn. Move. Time seven is Seven years. Seven years. So I remember when you first got here. <laughs> I know. Damn. So when I first moved here, just like Virgil, I met up with you yeah, and we've yeah. been friends ever since. ever since. And now that I've introduced you in your own words. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> hey, let me tell you something. First of all, I'm impressed to hear that. But I mean, she pretty much, I mean, we 98%. It was just one little correction is when I was in performing arts school, I actually was there for drama. Okay. It was called Duke Ellington 
performing arts school in D.C. Is Shout out to Duke Ellington in D.C. Yeah, I was in the same class as Dave Chappelle, Lamont Rucker, a few of us. We went to high school together. As a matter of fact, I used to, sometimes, me and Dave used to ride the bus together to the comedy clubs after school sometimes. He was real young, and they used to sneak us in, but we have to leave right away because, you know, the alcohol was being so Right. We weren't really allowed in there, but they actually let him sneak in, do a couple of jokes, and, and we used to ride the bus home after that. It was a crazy, you know, Crazy time, but I never really saw myself being a chef or cooking for a living by no means growing up in D.C., but I always was attracted to cooking. For example, it was never, when I was young, it was no food network or anything, but we still had shows like, there was a guy called the Frugal Gourmet, this little skinny guy with glasses, and we had a I'm going to have to get my Googles on. <laughs> oh, you don't remember him? Oh, it was, it was a while ago. No, it was a show called the... Great chefs of the world. And okay. it was narrated by this monotone lady who would be, it would be a lot of chefs from Spain or France and they would cook meals that I was never interested in copying or cooking, but it would hold my attention to watch it. Right. I was, it, it was wild me from the start to the finish. And then, you know, my mom cooking all the time. I would be sometime in the kitchen watching her talking and just watching her, but I never still equated it to me becoming a chef. Right. But then, like you say, when I got it, I always was interested in alternative lifestyle, though, but more like herbal healing and whatnot. And I never equated food to being medicine, though, or even healing with food. Okay. I just knew that nutrition was important, but I never saw the parallel. Okay. But when I started having children, I think I had my first son when I was 20, and I definitely was committed to not to raise them on you know, fast, fast food. food and whatnot. Uh-huh. So it made me, you know, I got a few books and just things I learned from my mom. I just started cooking and I raised them vegetarian when they were young. You know, okay. I wasn't going to force certain things on them that they can do on their own later. Right. And then actually what brought us to Atlanta was my uncle was starting a company here at the airport, a Skycap company, the first black owned Skycap company. And he wanted my father was his brother to help run it. Okay, so what's a Skycap company for people? Oh, no, that's the people who kind of check the bags, greet you at the first people you see at the curbside or behind the counters that, you know, deal with mainly your baggage check-in. Okay. Yeah, we were kind of the first ones to kind of be a black-owned company to get a foothold in that part of uh, the airport. Okay. So that made us come down for family business. And then um, just from there, my uncle sold that eventually and he got into transportation and we started doing other things just as a family. Okay. And then, you know, unfortunately, my kid's mom was diagnosed with cancer kind of soon after we got here. And I'm my sorry kid, to hear that. It was, a little, you know, it was rough at the time, but, you know, you, you kind of... And my kids were still small, so I had to figure out, and me just being a hustler by nature, how can I still be a hustler but not put myself in danger of jail or death when all my kids got is me now? Right. So, you know, that was kind of rough. And then the ironic thing about that statement was... I had got incarcerated right here on Rice Street with something kind of stupid. But the time I was there, the TV's always on something crazy like Maury Povich or Jerry Springer right. or football on Sundays. But there was a commercial that just kept popping out. I'm playing cards or working out or doing something. It was the Cordon Blue Culinary Art School coming to Atlanta. You know, And I didn't pay attention to shit else on this TV. Sorry, my language. And then all of a sudden, the Cordon Blue, it was day, night, day or night. So I said to myself, you know, People say you can cook, but you still know it's more to earn a living from cooking than just being able to throw a few dishes together. So I'm going to go up here and see what these people are talking about. But the crossroads was I was a little older. So for me to take on 
school at the time, a heavy tuition like that, and somebody helping me with my children, I had to really be committed to it. Right. You know what I mean? I couldn't waste nobody's time who's going to be involved in helping me as well as my own time, my kids' time. Because we could be doing something else. Right. It's almost a two-year commitment at almost $40,000. Yeah. I'm in my 30s. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? So, but once I made the decision, I went there. I was impressed. I started it. And then, um, you know, but with that commitment, I finished that. I think it was almost perfect GPA, but they weren't going to give it to me a perfect one. But it was a good experience because I felt like I was kind of behind the eight ball on time. I started getting jobs in the culinary industry at high-end restaurants with high volume mm. so that I could be did, did growing the resume as well as the the degree at the same time. Okay. So I could hit the ground running. Because it's real humbling when you walk in with your little chef jack and your degree on and you got, <laughs> you know, Hispanic brothers who never touched a foot in school but can cook circles around oh, you. Oh, man, they're cutting everything. Man. They're prepping food. And yo, it's real humbling when you think you know it all because of your little degree and he got people who really... So I, I wanted to get that experience at the same time. So I, I found a few of the top restaurants back then that I could be a part of and did externships at those places. So I could... When I got out of there, have a little footing. Right. So... How did you transition from being a culinary graduate to a private chef for celebrities? Well, when I first left school, you know, like anything, it's a crossroad. It's a decision that I, you know, what do you want to do, whatever. But like I say, one thing that really helped me was it's almost like the barber and beauty schools. At some point, people call up. Like you know how some people can come get free or cheap haircuts? Uh-huh. On their way out of the door, it's kind of like the last stage where they really giving cuts to the public. Okay. People will call to the school and ask for, you know, can people do small catering jobs? Okay. Can you recommend somebody who's probably good enough? And one of the people I had a relationship with in the finance office called and said, hey, somebody just called about a job. It was a company called Brock Belt Construction. They still here in Atlanta. Okay. Big construction company. They had a Christmas party for 300 people. Okay. <laughs> I have never catered in my life. I've never done anything <laughs> similar. But I was like, shit, 300 people. So I went and- You said I, yes. Yes. Well, I met, I went and met them and I set up a tasting for them. Okay. And tasting, I did on my dollar and I wowed them with the tasting. So now I was like, again, I didn't think I was going to get it, but I was just trying. Right. So when they said, well, okay, now what's the next step? I said, okay, I'll call you tomorrow. I ran back to the school and I talked to some of the chefs who I knew I trusted and gave me advice on how to price it, how to shop it, how many people I might. I had no idea on how to cater at all. Right. I just knew I wanted to do it and it would show me if I really can do this shit or not. So I, I hired a few of my classmates. Had your staff? Yes, three of them. The hustler. <laughs> One of them was married to a real estate guy. Okay. And they had a nice house with a big kitchen. So okay. I rented out their kitchen. Nice. And I, I got one of the chefs to tell me how to kind of price it. I, I hooked up a deal with Cisco. This is all on the fly. On the fly. On the fly. We started on a Wednesday. The job was on a Sunday. And it was four of us. And by the time we got to Sunday, I had a dessert table. I had everything set up. 300 people, and we were the only black people in the building, which was another <laughs> little bit of pressure. But the point was that my, I was committed for the first person to the last person to have the same type of experience as far as the food. And it went over great. They loved it. We loved that. They gave us a, a, a written appreciation letter, and that kind of gave me a little confidence to go. And then not only the fact that the checks cleared, and it was... <laughs> unbelievable that this people pay this amount. It, it gave me real attraction to the business right. and a little bit of confidence at the same time. So that kind of, you know, got my feet wet into 
being a caterer. Right. But, you know, when I first got out, I lived in an area where there was a Jamaican restaurant that my boys and me liked Jamaican food. And we would shop a lot. And over the months, I got a relationship with them. And make a long story short, she was ready to go for personal reasons. Okay. And she needed somebody to take over restaurant and I was interested. It was a carryout, like you said. Right. And it was close to the house. It was super good. I mean, when I say close, I mean like a mile away. And we so, love alignment. Make <laughs> right, it easy. Right. Make it easy. Right. I just gotta so, roll out of bed. You know yes. what I'm saying? So you know, it was a chance for me to and I kinda was interested in I, I was already attracted to Caribbean flavor and kind of like Latin fusions. I was already attracted to that. So I kept some of the Caribbean things on the menu and, you know, infused it with some American things. And the reaction was, you know, mixed where people would be like, man, this is so good. We would like to sit down and enjoy this with a glass of wine or whatever. But I'm still thinking like, whatever, you know, but it kept happening. And then people in the neighborhood. And you mean was, to tell me, hold on, you mean to tell me you had your own business that was up running and functional and you were still like, I mean, half in, half out. We still a carry out. So it's not about, I still, you know, I'm still building confidence. It's one thing I'm giving to your styrofoam, but people talking about they want to sit down and enjoy this and, you know, they give you ideas. And so at the end of this lease of the um, carry out, I was stumbled across another spot in College Park, Georgia, right. on Old National. Mm-hmm. And this kind of like how I met Two Chains because I had, this was a sit down place, but it still was. You know, it wasn't fancy, but it was still nice for that area. Right. And it's nothing over there that's chef-driven. And that's why I'm attracted to the south side of Atlanta a lot. Because I got a lot of love from over there. And there's really no chef-driven. There's a lot of restaurants, but nothing really chef-driven. There's a lot of cooks or just... Divine chef-driven for people that's tuned in that don't know what that means. Well, well there's a real chef in the kitchen who's kind of orchestrating the menu creation, the, the sourcing of the food, the whole kitchen is really controlled and operated by a chef, somebody who is trained to lead a kitchen as well as food preparation, safety, you know, all the qualifications. Right. And, you know, that's what really separates, you know, a lot, a lot of people sell the same shit in Atlanta, lamb chop, salmon, you know, it's the lamb, the list Not is the same. Right, right. But sometimes it's still, you can still tell the elevation or the creativity into that sometimes just by the level of training and commitment anything else people rapping singing dancing you can tell the commitment by what you get from the, the product right yeah so again but now i got a sit down place and you know it's going great people love it at the south side i'm introducing them to new proteins vegetables the relationship is great and my sister divine you know it's how shit works all the way to the other end of Old National, down by where Holyfield used to live, she used to manage the Bank of America down there. Okay. And Two Chains had personal accounts there. Okay. And safe deposit box, everything. She was managing his finances. And she would just tell him about her brother's restaurant that's at the other end. And their studio was in the middle. So I'm at the beginning, his studio in the middle, and the bank at the end. So at some point, he came down and gave it a try and introduce and we knew you know we, and this is back in the titty boy he wasn't as famous then <laughs> but um long story short he used to drink lean and rap about it but mainly he drunk it because he felt that it would ease his he had, digestion issues you're right so he felt and he used to say that man when i eat your food i don't really feel like i need to run to that shit as much as i used to right so i used to joke with him and say man when you blow up and i honestly i never really even Heard a dude, I never really knew his music. But when I got over there, I heard of him, you know. Right. But I never, you know, and then I started listening. I was like, damn, you know, 
you know, I see why, you know, he's known over it. Right. So, and then, you know, honestly, I was like, bro, you know, when you get, when you blow up, I'll be out there to take care of you. Okay. And, you know, and then, okay, now, long story short, <laughs> I was kind of, the only thing about that side of town was the demographic is the same. Right. So, you know, I'm trying to charge prices for fresh ribeye and fresh shit that I can't really charge over here because the demographic is just not supporting it. Right. So I was torn between when this lease is going up, I might have to change parts of town or just something so I can get a little mixture. Right. So when I was about to do that, it's the same time that he was kind of getting bigger in the rap game and he bought a tour bus from T-Pain that had a small kitchenette in it. And he came to me, he was like, bro, you know, before you make that move. Okay, so for the starter, I know you started talking to me about your relationship with 2 Chains picking up and him getting the tour bus. Mm. So what was that like when you actually went on tour with him? When we first started, what they used to joke about calling it the Chitlin' Circuit because we would just go like to little spots up and down the south from here to like Alabama, Miami, North Carolina, oh, right, South little, Carolina. Right, a little. Mm-hmm. And it was like us testing it out. We were going the weekend, we might leave Friday and come back Monday. And it was a chance for me to see if I could really stand in this little kitchenette and like cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner doing 60 miles an hour down the highway just to see if it really, and then, you know, if it just, if it would make sense. Right. And then he used to start making little posts on his social media. Right. That kind of was taking a little life of his own at the same time. Right. And then Drake decided when he did a tour called Club Paradise, he wanted to take all of the new cats that was coming out at that time. It was Meek Mill, Waka Flocka, mm-hmm. uh, J. Cole, a lot of them, and 2 Chains. And so we, when we jumped on that, that was, and it was a chance for me, I was wanting to take a breather from the restaurant anyway. Right. So I was like, okay, well, shit, let's give it a shot. And, you know, we went out and did the Club Paradise tour. That was great. Then his album came out and we toured that. Then it's, we did a, international tour we went to france and parts of europe so what is that really like when you actually are cooking on a bus i know you vaguely touched on it but for the chefies out there that think they want to get on the road but they haven't been what are some things that they should keep in mind for Mm. going on tour what are like the top three things if you're going on tour you just get it in this is what you need to know three things be prepared for any situation know that you're not there to be these artists friends and be able to look ahead of anywhere you're going and source whatever you need before you get there or as soon as you get there. Ahead of time. Right. If I only had three, those would be the three. Those are the three. Yeah, because when I did the play tours with Tyler Perry, first of all, I did that for a set. I was like, we need another chef for the play tour (laughs) because I was doing the play tour plus working on set. So there was like no off day. And then it was like on set is like, 17 20 hour days you know and, you and he lo- and he does a lot of stuff so well no for him i would just be there but i had the experience of cooking on the buses right and so when i was asking you that i'm like when he's saying come prepared it means like sometimes they don't really have kitchen areas tyler perry yes. had really nice kitchen areas on the bus right, right, right. I'm, gonna let you, I'm gonna let y'all know now their right. buses was really nice okay but when you are on the road and yes. it's moving around and when he's saying you got to be prepared 
for me at least, I had multiple different luggage yeah, with me that had mobile kitchens <laughs> right, in it. Right. And then the security, whoever's yes. down on the ground first, like, yo, utilize one of the PAs, yes. have the hotel deliver X, Y, Z. You got to maneuver. Always right. And you got to be, because these people, and they might say they hungry at any time. At and you got to be ready for that. And, you know, and then that was, two chains, that was a rap tour. It's still a different environment. Like, you know, it was all on one bus. I've got his security, him, hype man, DJ, you know, all of us in one. And that's a cool vibe. But then at the same time. I got to go home. Uh, right. I need my own bus. Yes, exactly. I need the hotel, bruh. I gave me around on y'all. All right. Time. But then when I get to a different type of artist, then that I have been experienced where I've had When the bag looks different. I've had, right. I had my own tour bus one time with just me and a driver. Well, different people's with a full kitchen, so parts yeah. of their career. You're talking about Justin Bieber? Yes, man. Yeah. So it just depends on, and that make it a little easier, but it's still more stress with that. So, it's, you know. <laughs> so when you say more stress with that, what do you mean? Well, you know, of course, more expectation, um, more expe- uh, more client demand, more travel, more, even more being ready for any type of, because, you know, this guy specifically, he move on a whim. Right. You know, and every and uh, it's a whole movement that got to go with him and you get swept up in the movement. And if it don't look right, then he's quick or they can be quick to say, look, everybody got to go or this one. We don't need this. You know what I mean? Or, right. and, and I'm not going to be the reason why I get this. Somebody else might try to sabotage, but it's not going to be me. Right. So I'm going to be ready for now, Give me. Let me give you one example. Just okay. one of what I mean. We like examples. This is a, a real example of you got to be on the fly or it can be over with quick. Okay. I'm I'm with Justin. We we taking a break from tour and he decided to go to Japan. Actually, no, it's Japan. We, it's a tour date, but it's not like a real tour date. Uh-huh. So we go to Japan. Now, most places I go, I got a rider at whatever hotel we stay in and there's a rider at wherever he's staying. Right. So they know I'm coming. I got a kitchen space. I sent all the right. things I need is there when I You got land. your own little section. Right. So, and this was agreed upon at this hotel. But when I get there, I don't know if it was because they saw me or whatever, but when they was like, no, Black man. no access to the kitchen. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, the rate, there is. They told me racism. no access to the yeah. kitchen. So we trying to talk it out, work it out. And they still saying no. Now I know he upstairs and any minute after he rests, he's about to work out and call me. So I, what I did, I said, hey, I can't wait no longer. I got a card from one of his managers. I said, look, I need a driver and I need somebody to speak English. And we got in the car and I found a superstore that sells kitchen shit. I got a couple of convection burners. Made a mobile kitchen. Yep. In my room. I made a convection burner. I got a cooler with ice. I got two some pots, pans. In other words, everything I could use to build a kitchen in my room. Right. So by the way, with all the food stored in it, everything. So by the time he called me, I made every breakfast, lunch, and dinner in my room with the window open because there was no way I was going to get sent home or fired from my tour job on a side trip. Right. When I done bought this, why did I pay first class him to fly here and he can't cook for me? He's right. not going to understand that the kitchen said he can't. All I know is my chef is here and he's supposed to be cooking for me. Right. So that's it. Yeah. At the end of the day, they yes, don't really care. I don't, I don't, don't understand it. They don't care. <laughs> so they find a the solution to yes, the problem. Yes. You got to figure it out. And that's all right, man. That's figure what, it out yes. and have my food ready on time. Yes. Because <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> okay. So that I feel like that was a really good starter. So now we're going to get into the main course. Yes, man. Okay. So. When would you say that you really fell in love with food and decided, like, this is really going to be it? Like, when did you just make that decision? 
Because it seems like well, since you, it's like weaving in and out, in and out. When were you like, you know what? I'm about to, I'm really about to do this. Be honest. When you say fell in love with food. Yes. And then sometimes I look at some of the people who consider super or great chefs of the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. And how they talk about, or there was some time when I read what they write about food and how they can be so eloquent about their expression. It kind of make me go, do I really feel this shit? Like, is that why I'm not where I want to be? Like, it really make you like, do you really love? Like, it kind of, because I, you know, passion came from certain, with me or some people, circumstances bring you to your life's work. Okay. And me losing my kid's mom and having to figure out how I can. Be know, stable. Yes. Propel that into my, how can I, I can hustle this. Right. But, you know, you fall in love because it can sustain your family. Do you, are you in love with it for what it can do for you? Or, I mean, food has took me around the world. Food has opened doors for me that I would never imagine being open. Right. Still opening them. But you wouldn't say that you're necessarily in love. But with now, it. yes. But I was just saying a moment or a time, it's just like it's an evolution okay. of love. You know what I mean? Because, you know, there's been times where it's just, I know I can do this. I do it good, so I'm doing it. I don't know if it's love. It's just, it's getting this shit done. This is like, what else am yeah. I about to do? <laughs> yes. So, so, you know, I'm not going to like lie and be capping all about love. It's just, I know that I was good at it. People say they taste and feel the love in it. That's why they keep coming back. So that humbles me. Sometimes it's brought tears to my eyes. But so they say they feel it and taste it. Okay. But at the time, it's making sure that my car note or my kids can do what they got to do. You know what I'm right. saying? So I fell in love with that part of it. And then now when I really, that's why even every day for my restaurant, I shop for it. So I can touch everything, see everything, have a relationship with the guy. So now I know it's a love. Right. Because I want to do that every day. Right. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to delegating it or ordering it from a truck. I go out and source it myself every single day. Okay. So that I love you know, that. So we love that. Okay. And I, you know, okay, so, chef. <laughs> and it's and, and sometimes it's five hours. I might ride to one store for a seasoning twenty minutes away. Right. You know what I mean? But I still, you know, and then it's because that's what you're paying for. Yes, ma'am. A lot of people are confused. What am I paying yeah. for? Yeah. It's like I had to go to five different stores. Yeah, to make man. I don't. I don't have nothing in my freezer. Everything's fresh. fresh. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. So, and then just prices sky high right now. <laughs> so high, bro. Yeah. My food budget is always separate than my service fee budget. So, but, um, <laughs> and she ain't playing. No, I don't do that all in. Okay, and yes. I need and I need that first class flight. I need that. Or Call when I get there. Right. I need my hundred dollars a day for my per diem. I need to yes. land two days yes. in advance. Yes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And get shit squared away. Right. Because right. if you don't ask for it, they're not going to tell you. And then there's this pressure. And they still have those expectations. Pressure. Yes. They don't. And, yes. and so at the end, but at the end of the day, a closed mouth ain't never going to get fed. Right. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you'll have clients where you got to push back, and you're like. Well, why why do I got to pay for that? Well, let me break it down for you and educate yeah. you because sometimes they don't know. you got to let them know. Yeah, and you they understand. And then they understand when you point it down black and white. And, then, and they understand know, in their world when you're going shopping for your diamonds, when you're going shopping for your luxury items, you know there's a whole breakdown. There's a whole surcharge for this. There's a whole, right. there's all type of understanding. Right. The people that you come in to see exclusively for you, when you close the door, they let you just be by yourself. All that, you paying extra for. And they have no problem with you. Matter of fact, they proud of how much more they pay than everybody else. Yes. Yeah. So it's the same shit with us. 
You yeah. paying for this. You paying for somebody to exclusively do it for you. Thank you. Right. Who okay. have qualifications to specifically do it for you. Right. 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 So I know that you've done restaurant consulting before right. you actually opened Plated Lounge. Yeah. So tell me what made you decide to take that leap? Hmm. That's another thing came out of circumstance. When I got off tour with Justin, I was still kind of on call, but at first he wanted me to stand in, in, in L.A. Mm-hmm. But once he was moving around and getting, you know, settled in with his wife and whatnot, I came back. And once people in Atlanta knew I was back, mm-hmm. I started getting catering calls. Right. And, you know, kind of at first they were moderate where I could do them in my personal space, but the, the kind of jobs, a hundred or more, then, you know, I don't want, I can't do them in my personal space. And I, any help I want, I don't want them in my personal space. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so I started just looking You had to get for, that business right. So I had to look for places where I could set up a small kitchen or where I could work for. And I was just riding through East Point looking for something else. And I saw the, the sign. And uh, I remember it used to be a restaurant there. And I just, long story short, I got it. And it was really just, I, I, it was big enough for a restaurant. But I just built the kitchen out. And I built a prep area downstairs. Yeah. Everything else was, I'll get to that. Right. I've been able to answer these calls. I got a clean kitchen out of pass inspection and a prep area where I can sort out stuff. Then, you know, hustling on days when we weren't doing catering, I just put on my page, hey, I'm selling plates for this amount. And, and me and my boys could hustle. So you was kind of doing takeout again a little bit. Yeah. Until you the, got it situated. Yeah. Just, you know, saying we selling plates, some delivery. And I had a central location to pick them up now. So do you so, wait, do you, do you kind of feel like essentially you, you really just got to start? Sometimes you might not yeah, have it all figured out. Yeah. You, have you just got to gotta start. Especially for us. the le- Yes. Because when is it ever going to be enough money? When is it going to ever be enough free time? When is it ever going to be, uh, the kids are still growing, still getting old, still need more shit? When is it ever going to be? You got to fit it in there and just go for it at some point and start wherever you at. You just have to. Right. You know what I'm saying? The journey of a million miles start with the first step. And but see, you gotta reach. You still gotta realize, still, especially when you got a lot going on, is this for me? And don't take too much time fucking with something that ain't really for you. Get in it. If this not for me, if and then not keep on hopping around. I don't mean that, but don't waste a lot of time on something that you when you realize it's not for you though. Right. You know what I'm saying? So considering the fact that you've been in the industry and cooking for over 20 years now, from start. To, to where crazy. you are now. It's been over. It's been a lifetime, brother. It's been a lifetime. You know what I'm saying? We ain't that young. Or we got, <laughs> got grandchildren. We got a little dust on it. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember a time where you felt burnt out and where you were debating oh, leaving the industry? Had plenty of time. I, I still go through that shit now. <laughs> Tell like, it. Yes. Because again, like, um, evolved, the restaurant evolved from all I was telling you. And then it's crazy because my son was actually, my oldest son was the executive chef for a restaurant used to be right down the street from here called Simon's. Okay. And then my other son was uh, working at a hotel in the kitchen. Right. And then the crazy thing is both of their girlfriends were waitresses at different restaurants. So I'm like, wait a minute. What is going on here? Y'all all, all, why don't we all come together? We got a spot now. Right. Y'all come home with horror stories about the day at work. The boys feel drained, underpaid. We we see that we can sell these plates because we sell 50, 60 plates every time we put it on Instagram. Right. What the fuck? Let's just, you know what I mean? So we just slowly put a small menu together. I got to register. I set up with Square and we just slowly started opening the doors to a restaurant. 
Okay. And then it just evolved into what it is now. I came up with a concept uh, I always had in my mind called Midnight Brunch. Right. Where at first it was, my mind was just when people in our industry got off work and just wanted to wind down, people in the... the um, For me, it would always be music and entertainment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, people cooking all day, servers, bartenders, strippers, whoever they late night. The was, night. Yeah. Just, so it, that was the plan, just for 12 to 5. And it just took a life of its own. Now, Friday and Saturday night, we do midnight brunch. It's the busiest time of the week. And you wouldn't believe by 12, 15, midnight, it's packed until I can't I, trip me out. I'm like, damn, I can't. I open at five and six during the day. I can't get nobody in. Right. I open the doors at midnight and I'm packed from midnight to five. They won't leave. It's unbelievable. But hey, whatever works. Whatever works. <laughs> because you know what? It's an underserved market. Yes, man. I see that now. I see that now. A lot of people can't afford to take that liability. You know what I'm saying? Because you actually have a relationship within the community and a lot of people love and respect you and do have a real genuine relationship. They respect your space. You know what I'm saying? So they already... So you you are part of the community, basically. And I use the community police uh, right out front. So no playing. Right. (laughs) But but I really do believe that when you are of the the city, have relationships with everybody versus being a transplant like yeah, me yeah, you know yeah. what i'm saying moving in trying to open something up you know what i'm saying it's it's different people respect you, you more yeah. when they know you you know what i'm yes, saying man. so i'm happy that you have brought up your family because it this is a family business now yeah. yeah so do you think that your sons ultimately will try to open up their own space or do you guys just have a vision of growing the plated pleasure brand larger well, I'm realistic. Even though I would love that and all that, I'm realistic. I, I just want, first, on a dad, it's a great thing to know where my two black boys are every single day. Right. And, and my grandkids around me as much as I can see them. And then we're doing something positive and we can get a little bit of money from it. Right. And then, but I know, I mean, my youngest son started Morehouse. He was 16 years old and he has a finance degree from Morehouse. But see, the thing about that is, those places don't never teach you mom and pop mentality or numbers. Okay. They get you mentally ready for corporate. Right. They deal with those kind of numbers and those kind of formulas and mentality. So you take a certain kind of person to try to translate that and try to take it back to mom and pop and build mom and pop up to corporate. Right. So what I want to do is get before my son lose interest is to get us big enough to where he only handling the financial part of what we got going on. Right. You know what I'm saying? My son, my oldest son is already, he's interested and is an executive chef mentality. So that's why I do the shopping and they do the cooking now. Right. But, you know, so again, my point is it's a springboard for whatever they want to do. I mean, even if it's not a lot of money, it's still, the other conversation is. Well, you have to stop sending mixed messages into the world. What you mean? You saying that it's not a lot of money. It actually is a lot of money. You've made a lot more money than a lot of people could wrap their mind minds around. Well, well, what I meant was for them. In other words, but the other part of the conversation is job security. When right. You know that this like you're not fired. Let's just close down. Right. The comfort of knowing no stress and you you have to be a certain way or you restaurants are ninety seven percent ninety eight percent fail rate. Right. And right. We're on our fifth year, that's a blessing. Five years. You know what I'm saying? So you wouldn't force it on them. They are here now, but if they wanted to leave, of you would course. be totally fine with that. Yeah, I mean. But my thing was, is for the one that's the chef, do you think that he has aspirations of opening his own restaurant? Has he talked to you about that or is he fine with doing the family thing now? 
I, I mean, I think he cool with just this growing and the blossoming into other things where it'd be his own anyway. I mean, this is that's really theirs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, he but he has ideas of his own things, of course. They own they got their own little catering brands and companies now right. that do their own thing. I push work their way so they can get reputation, you know what I mean, build it. So yeah, I mean, I'm all for that. I would like to work for them. Not even playing. We love it. We love it. Soon you will. Soon you will. Okay, and so I know you did a cookbook meal time with two chains. How what was that experience like and how did that come about? Well, after we started touring a little bit, he would start posting pictures on his Instagram. His, his Instagram. And I used to hate it because he'd be like, take a bite and then he'll do some shit and take a picture. I'm like, bro, let me start taking a picture and send them to you because this is crazy. But make a long story short, a lot of his peers in the industry used to start asking him like, hey man, you ain't making that shit. Who, wh- when is all this food coming from? Because it's obviously in his lap on the bus. But so one time I remember he called me to his house and he was like, bro, I got an idea. He said, I want to do, I'm thinking about doing a cookbook for the album. I said, man, what? I said, I'm cool with it as long as it's not like no gimmicky shit. Like, if, he, if he's really going to really like do Makes some. Sense. Yeah, I'm whatever. So we kind of like left it alone for a minute. And then one time I was at his studio and he had just posted a picture of us. I think it was sea bass or something I made. And Snoop called his phone right when he, he took the picture. And he said, what you think Snoop want? I said, well, answer it. He ain't answer it. But then... Uh, I guess he called or talked back because when I was left, he called me and said, man, Snoop asked me, bro, man, send me some of the recipes. What is too little? He said he was going on about the food. So that confirmed that we should probably do this cookbook event. Okay. So we kind of did something that kind of made it. It was the Def Jam said, make it simple so that his fans could follow it. And we kind of did like a recipe for every song on the album so they have a certain amount. Okay. I think it was maybe like 12 recipes of stuff that they kind of see them eat. Okay. It'd be simple to prepare and whatnot. We like that. And then the catch was it was only available on the deluxe version to, you know, kind of help push sale. And the deluxe version sold the most. So that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> so do you think that you'll be coming out with your own cookbook? I think about it. I got a few things put away just in case, but I'm a visual guy. So Why I kind of. Why be just in case, though? Well, you, true, but I mean, I, I just wanted to be something. You got all that space. I mean, all you doing is grocery shopping and making, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Calling the plays. Right. So I Why mean, not make, you know what I'm saying? Bunny books sell by themselves. Yeah, you, you're right. So, I mean, what you talking about? things in the works. You Could know be right mean? on the website. Click the link. All right. But no, book, yeah. it's right here. All right, so coming soon. <laughs> you heard it here first. Exclusive. Yes. We're going to be having Play to Pleasure. Right. The cookbook. The cookbook. The cookbook way. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about balancing the budget when you're running a restaurant. Tell me three things that some of my chefies out there that want to open up a restaurant that they should know about balancing the budget. Three top things. Being in tune as much as possible to your food costs. Okay. And explain what a food cost is. For those that don't know, because some people tuned in, they don't know. I mean, pretty much it have a broad meaning, but specifically I'm talking about just knowing how much you buying how much you selling and obviously you're a little bit in between because that's what you got to delegate your life and everything else off of that little bit in between. So the more you can get the food costs down and profits up, the more you're able to walk. Exactly. With. And then if you have a bar or a liquor situation, you definitely got to be on top of that 
because more people involved in that. Now you got the government, you got the city, you got the the state involved. Okay, so for your for your third one, kind of tell me what was your budget like for opening the restaurant? Well, in any business, obviously, you really want to spend or start with somebody else's money, whether it be... Play with somebody <laughs> else's money. Right. But because I'm just the kind of person who, you know, if I got it and I got the means, then, I'm, you know, I'll definitely use some other people's money, too, whether it be, in other words, bank, whatever. But you got to have a cushion and the, the amount depends on the type of business you're trying to start. Okay. Right. But I, I would say you at least got to have a few times more than what the initial startup and a few months of operation, you got to at least have four or five times more of that, ideally. But that goes back to when we said earlier, sometimes, sometimes you just got to start. Right. So, I mean, I don't mean just like, you know, go take out a, a rent and, and stuff that you really can't even start with. But I mean, you know, sometimes the bare means and a good idea and the drive to get started is all you need. And because then, you know, you, you start attracting the people and things around you that just make it start to grow and get better. When you have a good energy, a good plan and a solid, you're a solid person. Those things are going to just start happening for you. When they attracted to the light. Exactly. But you guys just got to remember, and especially in this business, that's why it shuts down so fast because there's so many hidden expenses. You just don't really realize so many, you just think restaurant, food, stove, oven, it's so much. Liquor, you yes. think it's all just going to be insurances, making money, money, money. So many different type of insurances. There's uh, the exterminator. There's the so grease trap cleaners, the hood cleaners. <laughs> whatever you think, quadruple that. <laughs> quadruple that. Yes. Do it times five. It's not what you really thought, but also get started. And Yes, man. You know and that's where the but word passion that you brought up earlier. Started. If you're not passionate, this is going to kick you out of it quick. Right. Because this take more than passion when then bills and then people start knocking on the door. So before we move on, yeah. I want to know, since you've been managing different teams and men and women in the kitchen, can you kind of tell me the differences that you see in being in charge of them? Like, how, do you notice changes? And... Managing men and women, the differences or how they operate in the kitchen. Well, I've been blessed. The few women that I've worked with in the kitchen have the been. few. So it's not that many. No, that's unfortunate. But I mean, that's because a lot. But that doesn't still mean that there's a lot in the industry. It's just right. that a lot of times the actual commercial kitchen industry is not necessarily attractive to most women because just the demands of it extremely hot, extremely loud, extremely aggressive. You know what I'm saying? Are um, you being sexist right now? No, no, no. I'm saying a lot of women would a not. A little bit? No, no, no. Or I, is it misogyny? No. Not at all. Is I it mean, the patriarchy? I'm just saying that no, because I would flip side is a man. I like it, huh? a, 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 a man wouldn't, most men would not be comfortable in a frilly, pink, pinked out, frilly. That's not saying nothing wrong. I'm just saying that most well, men some wouldn't are. be. And some and some women are. That's why I said that <laughs> not most. So please, I mean, that, that's not a. But I mean, you know, I just it, that's just why a lot of women wouldn't be attracted to that because certain kitchens are just like a can be a hostile environment during uh, a big service. So you just notice that there's not many. Or I noticed that they'll be in a certain station or until they show that they can handle desserts that. Desserts and garmar. They are and, like, they're right. like putting the women on the desserts and the salads. <laughs> because, you know, you know what I mean? What I'm saying? 
Hey, Most you know. no, but no. some women who say, "Hey, I don't want that no, shit. I want to do like this." Yes, and then some women say, "I want to be in the mix." Like me, get in the mix. I like it about a fire. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I'm a grill saute girl. You yes, know what I'm put me where the heat is. I'm with the men. <laughs> you know, I'm with Hell the men. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've gotten through our main course, give me some tips for your recipe for success. Okay, for those out there listening that might be interested in opening their own restaurant, we briefly touched on this, but what are three things that they need first? If you're about to open a restaurant, these three things you need to have. Location, capital, good idea. Okay. See, I would have said, yo, like licenses, your 360 to make sure that you can even legally operate. Because a lot of people out here, they be running businesses and they right. got their health. I mean, the restaurant, though, location one. Location? And why is that important? Because, for one, I mean, just you want to be in a spot where you can be easily accessed. Okay. You want to be in a spot where... Good parking. Exactly. Parking is so key. And then nowadays, there's so many break-ins and stuff with cars and whatnot. You just want to be right. Safety. You know what I mean? So I, I would say location always one. You want Because you kind of want to have demographics from everybody to have accessibility to you if possible. Yeah. And you want to make sure you make a certain amount of money. Exactly. You know, yes, ma'am. Money. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. And then what was two? Capital. Which and always means, play with somebody else's money. Exactly, as much as possible. You know, obviously, lending institutions or family, friends, whatever. But, you know, just where you can comfortably start because it's not going to, unless you come up with like a, a super idea, like slutty sauce and shit, you know what I mean? Where you can just have lines around the corner all day long, then, you know, you have to, it's going to be a grind. And sometimes right. you're going to be coming out of your pocket for a while while you're trying to keep things going. And the third? What, right. And then um, a good idea, which means that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. But, you know, when you put your perspective on what something. What makes you that, different? Right. Exactly. What's your sauce? What's your topping? What's your What's secret? Exactly. What makes you different? Right. And then with those three, you got a combination for at least a good start. Okay. And then for our palate cleanser. After you've been working and cooking in the kitchen all day, yeah. when you get home, what are you making to eat? Believe it or not, I'm a noodles guy. I love, okay. like, I, I'm going, I still, when I was little, that's why I used to jazz up a bowl of ramen noodles with all type of shit I want in it. Or, you know, ice cream with nuts and. Okay. So uh, either we got the, we either we got the salty or we got the yeah, sweet. Exactly. Okay. We got the ramen. Okay. Yeah. I'm with that. Yeah. And then when you're cooking in the kitchen, what are you listening to? What's your vibe? Like your go-to. This is what I'm about to go to put on and get me in the zone. It just depends. But usually nowadays I let my boys do that. They got to me. But when I'm by myself, I put on, I believe it or not, I put on something I'm interested in on Netflix or just mellow, just instrumental, nothing, no particular genre, just like some, some. Point. Okay. You yeah. want to be chill. All right. Yeah. You know me. Okay. And then for the dessert, can you tell me a little bit more about your nonprofit Cool Kids? Yes. When I was thinking about what kind of nonprofit I would want to do, it just and then when I thought about my kids were young at the time, you know, and they, but they still were always around the kitchen, even if they weren't actually hands on. Right. So it was and just, cooking. Right. And so I just felt like just uh, something that involved kids would always be. I mean, that's the future. 
Right. And then my thing with what we do now that I know the heights it can go and the money you can make, it's really not. Most people use the kitchen or service as a, a means to something else. Or it's, I'm doing this until this pops off. Right. But really, if you really, this is a viable way to earn a living and mm. if you start it early you can really get to those heights fast okay so that's why i just was like cool kids cook is a way where if i can do it and they look like me talk like me if i can have stories that i have and the experience that i have then so is it something where you go in and you talk to kids and teach them some cooking skills or do they or come to you yeah well eventually that's what i want i want a place where it's a, a extra i just picture like this cool ass brigade of young caterers who you know what I mean like if it's a kids party kids doing the cooking but like serious you know what I mean so essentially and, and you need to brush off the dust on the non-profit yes, now you got yes, a place set yes. up the kids can come and start doing it now so yes. we gotta tweak the vision yeah, because I do kids. have to dust the pot. You, you ain't do, lying. Because it's been it on the table for so long. You just you just put it back in the front of my mind. That's so I deep. just reminded you. <laughs> yes. We love it. Wow. Reminding you of the dream. Wow. You know, when you tap into the inner child, it's the most important work that yeah. we can do. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to the kids. Yeah, thank you. Know you know what I'm really saying? Just we put love that y'all. back on my mind. That's good. <laughs> good. Because now I'm about to stay on you. Yeah. I'm about to be sending you voice notes. What you doing with about the cool kid? kid? Yeah. I'm about to harass them because I am definitely that friend. Okay, and so now for the outro, because we wrapping it up. Yeah. Okay. So besides plated lounge and plated pleasure catering and events, do you envision opening up like a plated two or what's next for you? We got the plated plates cookbook right, right, in right. the work. Well, I got a couple of ideas for some places. I've been looking at a few places, but you know, sometimes I'm not in the business of rushing. A lot of times you start doing that and you kind of trying to go too fast, shit blow up in your face. So I want to get us really, I finally got a real strong team coming together because you got to, and you can't be in more than one place. Right. So you really, if you concentrate on this, you hoping that this is okay. okay. While you're over here, you hoping that that's okay. Right. But I want to be where I know that this is okay and I know this is okay. So you still strengthening the team a little bit before you move yeah. on. And then concepts and ideas, I think it'll just happen when it's supposed to. Like I got an idea for obviously a couple of breakfast concepts. I got an idea for a tapas concept. But you know you got to yeah. start first. Exactly. <laughs> true, true. But you know, again. But, but now with your spot, what you could do is pick a day where you test those ideas. Right. I got that's what you're talking about. Exactly. That space is built in for the test. You know what I'm saying? So he's about to be doing some things. You know what I'm saying? So for my chefies out there that want to find you, where can they? Instagram, chef underscore Aleem, A-L-E-E-M. The restaurant is Plated Lounge, P-L-A-T-E-D Lounge. Shit, we located in East Point, Georgia. Atlanta, shouty. (laughs) Dope. Hey, I just want y'all not really proud of this lady. She's doing her thing real big, and y'all stay tuned. Y'all keep in touch, and y'all show a lot of support because I can see this is going to be a big thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't pay him to say that. Oh, I love you. Yeah.